from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. I'm very happy going throughout the week with no drinking. It doesn't bother me. It's not a big deal. But I want something to look forward to on Friday. And if I can't do anything else, I want to have a drink. And I also find this more fun to do. I find I'm a little bit more like loose and having fun. Whereas I'm, if I'm like drinking my soda water, I'm like, and in 1966. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's just that hair funnier. Yeah, totally. When well, we're half in the yeah, bag. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not for listeners, but for <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I think by the end of Alanis Morissette, I was tanked. And I'm like, I can't ever listen to that because I'll be like, you know what else? It's just good shit. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing about my childhood <laughs> Alanis, lover. My favorite. Yeah, anyways. There's definitely been a few that, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty shit-faced by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how it should be. We <laughs> should do so. one where we still have like a we start like drunk history or something, where we do a drunk episode and we have to have three drinks before we. Well, maybe like three drinks for you, maybe four for me, uh, and like, and then start and be like, okay. you know what, this band. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to pick like a Motorhead or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a, a band that's naturally that's natural state is just being completely plowed totally all right well welcome back to another episode of life for labyrinth podcast everyone my name is Bryn, and i am looking at the beautiful face of angie i'm in the shadows hi <laughs> as she pours many many yummy liquids down her throat from a <laughs> Listen, I'm all class over here. It keeps it cold, everyone. Gotta keep it classy. What's life without whimsy? If you're going to drink, it might as well be out of a goofy cup. I mean, if you see this cup, don't you just immediately assume I'm in Gatineau? Sorry, Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Well, I'm drinking out of a plastic, like, restaurant water cup. Yes, that does look like (laughs) someone just brought that to me full of ice water. (laughs) Yes, 100%. It's blue and plastic, and it has the lips, the things in the bottom of it, so they can be stacked. It's 100% a restaurant cup. There's a restaurant um, supply store in Edmonton that I buy, like, scrubby pads for because they're the best. (laughs) And they sell sell these cups there. Amazing. But I actually, I brought these from Ottawa when I moved. I liberated them from a uh, company that I worked for. Nice. Oh, it's so much better when they're stolen. I I have a number of cups and glasses. If there is like labeled company glassware, yeah. Then I've worked there. There's probably one in my cupboard. I don't know if we hung out in the period where I was a little bit of a bar klepto, but I was <laughs> a little bit of a bar klepto for a while. My all my glasses were pint glasses, and I that I'd stolen from. bars and pubs and I always brought a purse big enough and I was a bit of a weirdo about it I was like oh this Foster's glass is incredible and I would take it I don't know Renee's dad is like that but he'd be very open about it he used to go to uh, Eastside Mario's and be like I'm gonna take this cutting board and bread (laughs) cutting knife and they're like oh you you're so funny he's like no just just make your peace with it I will be taking this and they're like oh ha 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 and it (laughs) He's got it in his kitchen right now. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. I well, at least with glasses, you know that they get them for free. Yeah. Like the company gives it to them. It's advertising, and now it's advertising mm-hmm. to the guests in my home or me every day. But those are, I know it's free shit. I know it's whatever. I went to before I right before I moved here. We, my brother and a few of us that worked together at the time, went and did open mic night at this bar down on Bank Street in Ottawa. I don't remember what it was called. I'm like two minutes from Bank Street. What bar? Come on. I genuinely don't remember. Okay. I'm sorry. It's It's been like 11 or 12 years. <laughs> what do you have for lunch on Wednesday, Angie? Like, <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know what I ate for dinner right now. Yeah, so, so um, I, I'm sorry. I, I genuinely don't remember. But they had these, I think it was there. They had this, like, there was a Guinness <laughs> promotion that they were doing. And they had all these like little teeny tiny Guinness pint glasses. 
mm-hmm. and it was like you'd get like a little pitcher and they get the glasses and stuff and it was cool and my dad at the time was going through a phase in his life where he really liked Guinness as you do as I mean we've all been there yeah we've all, we, I mean, it's 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 a bright of passage my dad just happened to hit it in his 50s amazing <laughs> and so I asked them I was like can we take these and they were like no I was like can I buy them he was like no I was like well I recognize that you probably can't ring them up on the register but if I leave you like I don't know fifty dollars <laughs> in tip can I take these little glasses I'll ask the manager comes back no and now it's like and we were there every week right so it was like now if we if they just disappeared when we walked right. in next week for open mic night they're gonna be like hey about those glasses <laughs> your first mistake was to ask i've learned this thing recently that we say at work it's better to do it and ask for forgiveness later than ask permission and yeah there's a rhythm to it that i've just fucked up but you just don't ask it's better to ask for, for forgiveness than for permission. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I went, that was way better than how I uh, said that. But yeah, that's your problem. You don't ask. You're just like, I like this. Newton. Bye. Yeah. Well, we were part too of the honest. Issue, I was too honest. But part of the issue was that we were a bunch of dudes, so we didn't have a purse. Well, that's your first mistake. There's well, mercies I mean, out there. It, it, I didn't have a purse. Nobody had a shoulder bag. I'm telling you, they're good for a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, well. It's Now it's just a funny story. Yeah. Um, sorry, Dad. We tried. <laughs> Noble attempt. So, on this podcast, we listen to music. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know that by listening to it. You should, probably should talk about it. Um, the other elephant in the room we should get to is our co-host, Stephen, is still on hiatus. So, I don't have a lot of booze left. What I have left in my house is in my glass, as I mentioned, so I won't be pouring any out for him. But figuratively, emotionally, I'm pouring some out for our dearly departed Stephen. Temporarily departed, right? Yes, yes, temporarily departed. It does sound like things in his life may be settling slightly, so we may see him back soonish. But I genuinely have no idea. But your brother was also supposed to join us, and he's not here either, so we're dropping co-hosts like flies. Like I... I know. I is know. it us? It is, obviously. <laughs> I mean, the common denominator here. Yeah, but I, like I said, we need a third person or we're just going to listen to fucking records we know over and over again. But I, I have a good suggestion for this week. Okay, I'm glad. I was really glad to have been here because I don't, like, I know you said you might have pitched Swollen Members, but I... I want to pitch that one. Right. You would have done the one that everyone knows. So that was mm-hmm. um, that was fun. And it's also fun, fun to listen to him talk about music because he, I did, I basically raised him as my own <laughs> for music minus the whole rap shit that he loves. <laughs> well, one must spread their wings mm-hmm, and, and fly mm-hmm, eventually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, we have a, a, an album this week that was a very, very strong suggestion by Renee. Okay. And I was like, are you going to come on and talk to us about it? And she was like, if you listen to it, yes, I will. Awesome. So, and she has been threatening to come on for a while. Originally, she was going to come on and do a special episode, a very special episode of Life to Labyrinth with me talking about Lizzo. Never happened. She is sort of lined up for whenever we get around to doing musicals. Yep. But we haven't we haven't nailed down when that's going to happen. But yeah, so I have a pretty cool, different, I never would have suggested it because I didn't even know it existed, suggestion for the end of this week. So Great. That I'm should be pumped. cool. That said, you suggested a classic this week, like a legend. Okay, so yeah, Aretha Franklin is one of my top ladies of all time. This album, of course, was a best of. It's really hard. I wished I could have picked an album that kind of had covered enough ground that I, like, I don't know how much you know about Aretha. But anyways, I just happened to come across this, 2021, The Genius of Aretha Franklin. And I believe this was released in tandem with a documentary that's coming out that I'm over the moon excited about. I don't know how to watch it, but I will figure it the fuck out. (laughs) But yeah, so it's basically a best of, but it was released like a month ago. So how exciting. It's kind of a new best of. Well, as we mentioned last week, too, and I was desperately trying to figure out what album it is. It looks like it's been released in tandem with a few others. Mm -hmm. Like they've got like a a few re-releases out to sort of span her career. 
They really broke it up, and I noticed this when I was researching, between, like, her different record contracts. Oh, okay. I guess there were kind of different sounds, but it was... Of course, I've been reading this all day, and I can't remember any of it. But it was one record company, and then Atlantic, which is where kind of all the magic happened. And then 20 years later, she goes to a different record company. I don't really know. I haven't looked at the other... But like the glory of Aretha, 1980 to 2014, I'll be straight up. I don't know any of her shit after 1980. And I love this lady, except for like a couple covers she did in the last, well, she's been dead for like three years. But anyways, I don't know any of that music. So there were definitely like reiterations of her. What I know best is of course, which I just figured out really today from researching is 60s Aretha mm-hmm. which is what everyone knows yeah definitely that's that was her wheelhouse and yeah because yeah when you think she says that she was active as of 1960 which would put her at 18 years old having yeah. been born in 1942 she started super young and it was I think at around 18 when she decided to try and veer off the gospel path and more mainstream Mm. Oh, I have so much to say about this. Where do we start? What Can I just ask you what you thought of it first? I don't know where how you feel about this. And I know, and I'm going to preface this with, I understand that if you didn't like grow up with this warm blanket of Aretha's voice around you, I don't know <laughs> how, how easy it would be to get into it now. So anyways, carry on. No, Aretha wasn't something that my parents listened to. My dad very much kind of drove the music in our home. And he liked... Christopher and Elton John. That was predominantly what I remember him listening to. My mom liked uh, people like Whitney Houston and that. So in terms of like the powerhouse diva black artists in my house, we skipped forward to Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. And then they they kind of followed that trajectory where like Celine came into it. My dad started listening to Shania Twain and stuff. So in terms of divas in my life growing up, we, we kind of skipped Motown. Motown was not something that existed. And, and I'm using that as like in terms of like black music in the 60s. I recognize that Aretha may not have been on Motown. But in, in terms of that kind of music, it really, really didn't listen to it. I think I've mentioned in past episodes where like I went and dug down through my dad's vinyl records and stuff and he had a few things. He had some singles and stuff. He had a few Jackson 5 singles and he had a, f- a bit of that but it just seemed like he wasn't, he didn't have a lot of interest in it. My mom's records she didn't seem to have a lot in it. So my exposure to Aretha has almost exclusively been because of pop culture. Okay. Hearing her in movies and TV shows or seeing her on like special concert events and stuff like that because i used to watch a lot of that growing up anytime the grammys were on or any of that i would watch them and and aretha made some pretty legendary appearances at the grammys and stuff Mm -hmm. like that right Mm -hmm. um like filling in for pavarotti was it pavarotti she filled in for yes yes thank you thank you um i saw that live i remember when she did that and uh amazing yeah so for me I've had Aretha Franklin songs occasionally on like mix CDs, again, showing my age from back in like high school. So songs that I knew about from her were very much the hits. I knew Respect. I knew Chain of Fools. I knew like uh, Say a Little Prayer. I didn't know that was Aretha song, but I knew it from, oh my God, what is it? Whoopi Goldberg. No, I know it from... Uh, oh my it's god. It's a big one in the Julia Roberts, My Best Friend's Wedding, where someone has the lobster mitt. Say a little prayerfully. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that? Oh, I, I lost it. I had it. Oh my god. <laughs> As I Google Whoopi Goldberg nun film. Oh my <laughs> god. Sister Act. Oh my yes. god. I am a fucking huge Sister Act fan. Do not get me started. <laughs> so, that when I heard Say a Little Prayer listening to this album, I was like, I know this song. Oh, God, where's I didn't it put that from? With that. Okay, okay. And I even asked Renee, I was like, where's Say a Little Prayer from? I played it like a clip of it. And she, and she said the same thing you said, My Best Friend's Wedding. Yeah. I was like, no, no, that's not it. Because although I've seen that movie, I have no memory of it. I have a memory of like the one scene from the trailer where they're literally running across a field or something like that. Maybe I'm thinking of a completely different movie. The only reason I remember that is because I was pissy pants that everyone all of a sudden loved that song. And I was like, that's Aretha. That's my lady. (laughs) 
Like, they're like, oh, have you heard of this? I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know. So I knew Say a Little Prayer, but I knew it from Sister Act. Think. I'd only ever heard in Blues Brothers, yeah. which I enjoyed listening to this because this is a different version than the one in Blues Brothers. And I was like, oh, that's really cool because I'd only ever heard the Blues Brothers version of it. So that's kind of my exposure to Aretha is just like, it's impossible, I think, to live a life where you love music and you love movies and not be exposed to Aretha Franklin. Like when I was listening to this album in the car with my daughters, the f- it was funny because the first time Elliot was like, what is this? Put something else on. She wanted to listen to Kesha or something. Right. And uh, I was like, she's like, I don't know what any of these songs are. I think it was uh, on daydreaming at the time, which is a yeah, song I'd sure. never heard either. Yeah. So a, a kind of a deep cut in terms of like knowing Aretha through movies and stuff. And so she's like, I don't know any of these songs. I'm like, yes, you do. And I put respect on and she was like, I don't know this song. Meanwhile, my five-year-old is like, so, oh my god, that's hilarious. And then I played it tonight. I had the album on tonight and I put it just happened to be on respect while we were driving home. It wasn't intentional. And they were both in the back, just like fingers in the air, just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I think I just caught my, my older daughter in a bad mood after school or something like that. So it was a lot of fun for me because aside from throwing the occasional Aretha song on an old mix CD or something like that. I really most like all my memories of her are when Kevin sings respect in the wonder years while he's delivering pizzas oh my god okay um i remember that i remembered you know blues brothers are singing think uh, my high school girlfriend really liked chain of fools i remember sure when i she would make ask me to burn her cds and stuff because i had a cd burner and she didn't and she'd give me like a list of songs to download on napster <laughs> mm, i mean acquire I legally <laughs> and uh and chain of fools was one of them it was the first time i ever heard chain of fools was in high school because she asked me to put it on a mix cd for her and stuff so like that's Aretha's kind of been like gifted to me th- through other means and it's and she's come to me in rather unorthodox ways but she's such a legend that it's like even at that point you know I think I've still seen a couple of documentaries of her that pre-exist that performance at the White House where she performs Natural Woman for Carol King getting her what is it the Kennedy Center honors I've seen that and yeah. like you know just I think my love of music history and you know it's impossible not to investigate music history especially black music history in the 60s and not go through the Aretha chapter right yeah yeah yes 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 I remember how excited I was when I learned that she actually could play piano like a motherfucker I yeah. thought she was just a vocalist so she's just it's like the, she's one of those people where it's like it's it every stone you over, you turn over it's like oh there's something else really awesome here so yeah. I've rambled for a while and and I don't love her half as much as you do so no I think it's great I what I want to add to that is I was trying to think of where I started my Aretha journey but minus the fact that my parents actively listened to it but from a very young age I was became a little obsessive and since you were talking about movies and soundtracks Forrest Gump soundtrack nice 1994 respect i was obsessed with that soundtrack to the point where i could literally it was a double album and if you don't know it check it out it's it's power packed it's pro i i would probably argue it's one of the best soundtracks to this day and i became really intensely obsessed with it and respect was on it and i think i really started to hone in on this was my favorite song. I need an album to go with this. And it was basically like Respect was a song that I performed for my family at any event. I <laughs> I danced, I karaoke it, I would actually sing it. It was just something that brought me so much joy like as a as a kid. But yeah, I really think 1994 Forrest Gump was what started it which is hilarious wow. because uh, I mean I mean yeah I was in grade four so I was still a kid but she'd been around forever of course that's cool but that is definitely the way the movies and other pop culture brought her to me I think okay and can I just say that in 2014 my mom and I saw her live oh wow we saw her at the jazz festival which was so it was such a big deal it was a wow. really big deal for me in Ottawa outside and she was just like 
one of those things where you're like, I so can't believe I did this. I'm so lucky because, you know, four years later, she passed away, for God's sakes. Yeah, I was going to say 2014. That's pretty close to probably when she, like, did she retire or did she go right up until she was too sick to perform? Um, I can't remember. I feel like there was a bit of a gap and I think it's 2014, maybe. I mean, we could look it up. Yeah. Anyway, she was at the Jazz Festival in Ottawa, and I would, it's definitely in the past. I mean, that sounds kind of right. But I don't think she performed right up to the end. And there was, I was reading that she canceled a lot of shows over quite a few years because of all the health problems. Okay. Yeah, because she, she, I mean, she was only 76. Yeah. But she was obviously, like, she was a large human being. She for was a long also time. a chain smoker for years and, and a yeah. drinker. I was shocked when I read that she was a chain smoker because her voice. I didn't know she was a smoker. Yeah. <laughs> it said that, I mean, it said that earlier on. I don't know, like, at what point she quit smoking, but. There was something about her talking about how she had to quit because it was affecting her voice. And I was like, I can't believe you could wail that out and smoke. Like, congratulations. Yeah. Your lungs are titanium. Yeah, there are, there are people who have ruined their voices far younger than that with that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. She must have had, she must have had an incredible maintenance program for her voice. Really? And just what a crazy natural talent. But when you were saying about the Blues Brothers film, I remember when my dad realized how committed I was becoming to Aretha, he's like, we need to watch Blues Brothers because you get to see her. And this was my yeah. first time ever seeing her. And I remember, oh, cool. I remember, I think, tearing up. I was like, oh my God, she's singing. Like, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> this is before the days where you just YouTube everything. Yeah. I, I was so excited. And thank God. God damn, that's such a good song. I don't know why that wasn't as big as Respect, but it's so good. It's such a good scene, her too. Yes, you know. the diner. Do you have any fried chicken? Best damn fried chicken in the state. <laughs> <laughs> so good. We're talking to her husband, Matt Guitar Murphy. Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two guys here look from like they're from the CIA. CIA. What do they want to eat? <laughs> I feel like I'm definitely ready to watch that again. I haven't seen that in years. I know my parents own it. <laughs> we uh we are threatening to do a musical month. That's got more music in it than most musicals do. Totally. Totally. That was I feel I hope that movie brought a lot of different like music to the masses because I think it's uh it definitely brought Aretha's face to me, which was highly exciting. <laughs> Yeah, it was the first time, it wasn't the first time I think I ever saw her perform, but it's the first time I ever saw her perform, like, in, in when she was younger, like, in her, I don't know if she, that was considered her prime or not, but, you know, she wasn't wearing a massive fur coat, big Aretha, right? Like, the, yeah. the big diva everybody thinks of with, you know, like a pimp cane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, she was, you know, just dressed as, like, a wife who works in a diner, and she was younger and stuff, and I was just like, oh, wow, and just, it was one of those moments where you realize that people who are older were once young. Yeah. And like, there's, you know, it was like the first, for me, it was like the seeing, it was like somebody took a book that I had started reading about two thirds of the way through and like flipped it back. She looked so, so different from her early times to her later times for sure. Yeah. And she, yeah. and she yo-yoed a lot with her weight. Like she'd lose extreme amounts and then gain it back. Uh, like we all do. <laughs> guilty. Yeah, hundred percent guilty. But I can see how someone could see like a photo of her in like the seventies and a photo of her in the nineties and be like, "Holy shit!" Uh, very super different. Yeah. But of course, like we always say, you grow up loving someone, you don't realize how big they are. Like you don't realize that everyone else loves her. You don't yeah. realize that she's the queen of soul. <laughs> yeah. It's like when we were talking about Alanis. It's like we yeah. know how big she was in our lives. Yeah. But it's you know Aretha was one of those people. Is you can't. She's unavoidable. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like when people say they, they've never heard the Beatles or they haven't watched the Simpsons. It's like, oh, you, you don't know Aretha Franklin? It's like, yeah. it's not even like a judgmental thing. It's mostly curiosity for me. I'd be like, how have you lived this long? A hundred percent. What rock do you and live not, under? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you not? Like, it's like when my, my eight-year-old is like, I don't know her. I'm just like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> of course you do. Don't be stupid. Like, her songs are in everything. She had 112 charted singles on Billboard. That's an insane amount. I don't even know that many of her songs. 18 Grammy Awards. 
75 million records worldwide, one of the best-selling music artists of all time, the first female inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. And in 2010, Rolling Stone named her the number one greatest singers of all time. Yes. So it wasn't just me, y'all. <laughs> Pretty hard to argue with any of those accolades with numbers like that. It wasn't just me scouting out talent, everyone. The rest of the world thought so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing how it's like, it's so unlikely that you know, we'll see artists like this again. Everybody's just manufactured now. To, to think that, you know, back back then, somebody from Memphis, Tennessee could ride their talent to being one of the most treasured artists ever. Like, music just doesn't work that way anymore. Everybody's manufactured. So I, I was reading a little bit about the history of how she got started. And so her dad was a preacher. She sang in the church, of course, because her background is gospel. But he was such a well-known preacher that he was starting to hang out with celebrities like musicians mm. and Sam Cooke specifically. Oh, um, and also her relative is Mahalia Jackson, who oh. is also a very well-known singer. So she had a weird exposure through her dad to who was kind of connected to those people and she was exposed to it and could see that it was attainable. But right. it, I know what you're saying. It, there isn't I mean, maybe there is, but it's so commercial now and people don't, well, especially I feel like people don't come from gospel roots much anymore. I don't know. Maybe in the country world, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I'm, I'm completely dark on that. But can I just, a fun fact that I read, she had her first child. She was 12 years old. Damn. I, she had a child at 12 and then a child at 15 or 14. Jeez. Like crazy crazy young and i think is it like an oprah story where she was like raped by her uncle no no it's a it was oh, thank Christ. it doesn't seem hideous but okay. i mean 12 years old i don't even know i don't even feel like i'm ready for a kid now and i'm 800 years old and she was 12 or at least that <laughs> So I, I also found it really impressive that, I mean, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile having kids and going after your dreams? I mean, it kind of sounded like someone else raised them, which is all, like, I don't know how you even go about handling that, but 12 years old, I've never heard of anyone even being in puberty at 12 years old. I guess she was an early developer. I don't know. Wow. I didn't know that. I think I think I saw something about it when I was like literally Googling her to bring up a few things to discuss tonight. It was like Aretha Franklin. And one of like the Google autofills was Aretha Franklin child 12. And I was like, I'm, I'm just not going to click on that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That could have taken you whatever, but it. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, it's awful, but it's like, is it? I don't know how uncommon those kinds of things work. Is like Loretta Lynn had a pile of kids before she got famous too. But there's also like, like that. Is that a situation where like her parents took care of them? Like, but her mother died before she was ten. So I think her grandparents did, or aunts and uncles. But yeah, that's a wild fact. You know, is that one of those situations where it's like her children grew up thinking that she was their sister? Yeah, right. Possibly. Because that's Eric Clapton's story, right? Okay, I don't know that. Yeah, Eric Clapton, his mother, he was raised to believe that she was his sister. And when he found out that she was his mother, it like really fucked him up. It was just like another, another shovel full of shit on his life at the time. <laughs> Well, that's intense. Like, I don't know how you reconcile those relationships if you've, I don't know. Yeah, it's when you have a child, like we have that in our family. Our son isn't mine biologically, right? And once he got older, we had to kind of like address the thought of like telling him that I'm not his biological dad. And basically all the doctors and stuff were like, yeah, just tell him like it ain't no thing. Because if you mm -hmm. tell him at like 18, it's going to shatter his reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just tell him like it's not a big deal. So we did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to live your whole like childhood and potentially into your adulthood thinking that your mother is your sister to save face in the family. I don't know what that would do to a person. Totally. How but wild. I don't know if that's the situation that happened here, but that's crazy. No, I don't know either. But by 16, she was touring with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So shit, like what a life. Wow. I can't even imagine like just living that way, being successful like your entire life. It's like Paul McCartney, right? It's 
been yeah. famous since he was like 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you though, I waddled down to the Mayfair last year. No, it would have been the year before because nothing happened last year. It actually might have been last year for a Aretha Franklin documentary called Amazing Grace. Okay. And it was about her recording her album Amazing Grace in a church. And okay. how do I say this? How do I say this nicely? It really bummed me out because it showed absolutely zero of her personality. And it actually made me like, it made me feel like she was devoid of personality, which I know to be not true, but I was super bummed that the whole documentary, they're filming her, she sings, she comes like, you know, it'll bring tears to your eyes. And it was all recorded and filmed at this church. And in the audience, Mick Jagger, in this whole church, I'm like, oh my God, too much. But there was, in between takes, she would just step back, there was no like smiling or fun. It was just do your job, get out of it. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know, they say don't meet your idols because it, it'll be a letdown. Mm -hmm. It was such an odd documentary to make. And when I looked it up there, it was like 98% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, yeah, she's an amazing singer, but you didn't get to get that like fun vibe of understanding the artist and their personality it seemed completely right. not part of that at all i wonder if it's just a, an un an unintentional side effect of her life that she lived and her just probably having to be guarded so much i don't know it just was really surprising to me because she seems with that voice like that i would imagine she'd have a larger than life personality and in that it just shows fuck all of that too bad. I really haven't seen much of her. I don't think I've, I've, I think maybe I've seen a documentary of hers, although I couldn't name one. But I feel like, yeah, I think I've seen like all kinds of footage of her, but I've never seen any like, you know, like Blues Brothers behind the scenes footage or anything mm. where she's just like horsing around with James Brown or whoever was there on the day, right? It's, it's interesting that you point that out because yeah, now that I'm sort of racking my mind to think of like, of all the footage that I've seen of her, is there any of it that kind of shows who she was as a human being and not just a woman that sang? Yeah, I feel like I never, I don't really know who she is as a person, but I, I mean, I was reading she was involved in civil rights and things like that, but you don't really see to what extent. I mean, but how could you not be if you had that voice and you have that platform at that time? Yeah. It was just a kind of a bummer because I felt like uh, this was my chance to kind of get to see who she was and it was like, you know, perform, nail the shit out of it, step step back, let them do a sermon, come back. It was interesting, to say the least. It'd be interesting to try and go on a, a journey to find that. I think I've, I've definitely heard some stuff on YouTube where it's like early recording sessions of hers where there's like studio banter, where they're kind of like working on stuff. Oh yeah. But I think that's maybe all I can think of. But I mean, like she was a young woman then, right? So it's yeah. probably not even a reflection of who she was, not even at the time of her death, but like later in life, once her sort of personality had settled. The one thing I did read was that she, I, I feel like you would have noticed at the um, Kennedy Center, wherever it was when she was performing for Carole King and, and the Obamas, mm -hmm. she had her purse. Have you heard that story? I've, I've seen, like, the BuzzFeed <laughs> article that talks about it, but I didn't open it. Yeah, okay. She always has her purse because she collects cash first or she will not sing. That's bitchin'. Which is amazing because she died with $80 million and no will. And she still would not step on stage before the cash was in her purse. <laughs> I think that's pretty badass. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that commitment. alone makes her a queen in my heart. A hundred. Can you imagine you're at the White House with like a, a, a ten thousand dollar like massive fur coat on that she had, and you just like crack your purse open and you're like Ray, like give me them ones. I'm gonna be counting. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And just like throw the money back in their face. <laughs> on the piano while you're playing because you can see where it is. Like bless. That's awesome. It's probably also very much a sign of the times of when she was starting and probably got ripped off a lot. Uh, that 100% in this article, it says the exact same thing. It was well known that artists would get ripped off. And yep, you get it up front. Yep. That's fucking smart. That's, I can't, I can't say what I was going to say. We're talking about Aretha Franklin, but there is another profession that 
has that same mm-hmm. policy, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's a reason for it. <laughs> Watching her sing Nessandorma was amazing. I am not sure if I had seen that. And apparently Pavarotti canceled like five minutes or like within the show that he was supposed to perform at and she listened Mm -hmm. to his rehearsal and jumped in and nailed it you must have a crazy ear for that like you must be able to create magic in order to do what he does on a moment's notice well i was gobsmacked i mean i wasn't even that old i don't remember when that was but i certainly wasn't old enough to really respect what she was doing it was only really in hindsight. But the fact that, like, I remember them being like, yeah, Pavarotti is canceled, he's sick, and so in his place, Aretha Franklin will be performing. And I was just like, that makes no sense. Like, Aretha Franklin doesn't sing operatically. Like, mm-hmm. And she just went out there. I remember even finding it a bit boring because I was young and ignorant. Mm-hmm. But I, I sat through it. So I'm, I'm glad I did that because it's at least one mistake I didn't make in my life was turning it off. But it was just like, it's like she... I think she sang in Italian. So it's like, how many different layers of like impossible feet did she just walk on stage and just make seem like it ain't no thing? But you know why you probably thought it was boring? Because it looked effortless and she nailed it. Yeah. You know, when I sometimes listen to songs and I'm like, there are some songs where I feel like I'm, you know, stuck in a 60s elevator and whatever. But, and then I think, well, the reason I'm not having any reaction to it is because it's powerful she's nailing it you know what i mean but i feel like that yeah. would be something that you could easily be oh this woman just got on and and sang the song it's like no that's that's a different genre that's like you have to have a powerhouse set of pipes to kind of nail that out and the the thing about her is she's so effortless you don't realize how amazing it is because it's effortless Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what i love about her is she can do anything and you're like oh look at this lady just nailing out a performance and it doesn't seem like like you said it doesn't seem like no thing but she's doing amazing things yeah i think that i think if she had only done that she'd still be a legend yeah 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 because yeah everything about that performance is insane yeah like yeah the language was different the style of music was different the style of singing was different the key she was singing in is probably outside of where she's comfortable singing generally. She was low because it was written for, I think Pavarotti was a tenor. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was written for a tenor man operatic singer. And she went out and I remember her like hitting all these low notes and stuff. You know, it's it's insane to think of it now knowing a little bit more about music and singing and, and not just seeing it as like a robot on TV. It's just like another famous robot that's not actually a person. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but it was, it's incredible. But yeah, I think... um. Part of the struggle of listening to her music, like you say, it's a little bit like elevator music, is so many tropes of soul and R&B music that they sort of make fun of now mm-hmm. are things that are in her music. Like, it's obviously been taken from her a lot of it. And I find, like, the backup singers in a lot of it is a little much to take at times. Although I'm obsessed with backup singers. I, I'm, <laughs> like, specifically Leonard Cohen always has these backup singers and I think it's uh, incredible but for sure and like you said remember daydreaming you haven't heard of that that feels like a, a, a mocking of <laughs> that type of music you know what I yeah. mean yeah I really struggled with her cover of bridge over troubled water because I'm not crazy about that song to begin with don't yeah. at me no yeah but like the first how long is it it feels like a long song Anyway, the first like couple of minutes of it are just like her background singer singing Don't Trouble the Water, Still Water Runs Deep. Oh. I was like, it's, it's not even in the song. Like, it's a really interesting cover and it's a really interesting take on it. But I listened to the whole album all the way through, kind of waiting for Bridge Over Troubled Water. I kind of earmarked that in my mind to wait for that to come on. Because again, I don't really like that song, but I was interested to see what she did with it. And I got to the end of the album and I was like, well, I never heard it. <laughs> so... I went back and listened to it again, and aside from like the little moment which is like like a bridge over, like the rest of it sounds nothing like bridge over troubled water. I'm so glad you didn't come across Eleanor Rigby. (laughs) You would have been like, shut it down. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to Renee about covers and she about that specifically. I was talking to her about bridge over troubled waters, just kind of giving her the dry run of the rant I just went on, and um, she was like, oh yeah, you know, she's like, I know how you feel about covers, like. There's this there's this children's artist that does all these Beatles songs and I think they're better and I was just like Oh walk away. 
Oh <laughs> I think, my god, that I think was she was rough. probably just trolling me, but yeah. it was just like, walk away, woman. <laughs> that is so funny. I really like the Wiggles version of this. <laughs> I, I will admit the first time I heard Octopus's Garden was in kindergarten, and it was definitely like Raffi or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. I definitely think the first Beatles song I heard was a cover of Octopus's Garden in kindergarten. Yeah, maybe Fred Penner. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Mrs. Croswell's class. Speaking of covers, uh, Respect is a Notice Redding song. Yeah. A lot of her songs, did she, how many of her songs do you know that she write? Was she a songwriter? Or was yeah. she just like a really, really good piano player and singer? I think the latter, to be honest. I don't think a lot of her songs, I mean, you know, like the one that Carol King, Natural Woman, like, mm-hmm. I don't think she wrote music. I think she okay. was an incredible performer, but... Well, she's from an era where that wasn't really a thing. It wasn't really till the Beatles came around that artists started really going for the writing your own music thing. I mean, it says songwriter, but I would... I don't know shit, so don't listen to me, but I... And, like, yeah, she does Young, Gifted, and Black, which is, uh, like, I'm fairly certain Nina Simone. That's another artist we should listen to. Oh, love. So, I, I looked... I looked it up. Categories for songs written or co-written by Aretha Franklin. There's not that many. Okay. Call Me, Daydreaming, Dr. Feelgood, Love is a Serious Business. Oh, I love Dr. Feelgood. Rock Steady. Oh, Rock Steady. Spirit. Okay, okay. Let's Get Away, Spirit in the Dark, Sweet Sweet Baby, Since You've Been Gone. Think, apparently. Ah! Crushing that one. There's a big one. Uh, Who's Zooming Who? So there's definitely not a lot. It's, it's, It's not... It's not Paul Simon's songbook, yeah. but okay. So it wasn't her forte. And I was going to say there's two songs that I really adore from her that wasn't on this. And one of them was Dr. Feelgood. The other one is House That Jack Built. I was like, oh, cool. those are two if you, if you get the chance. And Eleanor Rigby, just to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'll listen to covers. I don't know. I one of the things that this podcast is doing for me is making me a lot less snobby about music. Mm. I don't know if you're finding that as well, because people will be like, hey, listen to this song. And before I'd be like, sure. And I never would. Yeah, 100%. And now they're like, listen to this song, check it out. And I'm just like, cool, I'll do that. Totally. And they'll be like, you know, or sometimes they'll suggest like, I listen to a song. And I'll just be like, eh, I'll just put the album on. And just like listen to the album. I may never come back to it. I may completely forget about it. But I feel like because we're doing this, it's really taking that snobby ass attitude away where it's just like, I don't listen to your music. I listen to mine. It's like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, it's making you be open minded. Yeah. I, know. I mean, I listen to Bug Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to Charlie Pride. Charlie Pride. I didn't want to constantly go back to that well. Yeah. I mean, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> It's memorable. I'll say this. He made us listen to Charlie Pride, and we haven't stopped talking about it since, so it was definitely memorable. I literally brought it up in a conversation two days ago. I was like, oh, like Charlie Pride. Wink. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) What I was going to say is you always recommend listening to live stuff, and I I hate live stuff. And do you want to know why the reason I hate live stuff? And I this all came to me for this episode. Okay. When I was growing up and I had my Best of Aretha CD. It's a, it was a 30-song double CD set. We were robbed. Everything okay. was stolen from the house, like CD players, CDs, everything electronic. La, la, oh, la, shit. la, la. We, the most, uh, this is one of the most exciting days in my life, I think, was going to CD Warehouse with basically a blank insurance check to get whatever (laughs) music we said we had lost. And I remember making that list, and I'm sure that was insurance fraud, because we definitely were generous with what CDs went missing. (laughs) And the only Aretha Franklin they had was Live in Paris. And uh, it was so upsetting to me. <laughs> they, I don't know what happened, but the Live in Paris record is super, super sped up. Oh. Respect is... And I was like, no, no. And I remember being absolutely devastated. And I think that is 100% the roots of my no, no for live it's because (laughs) i know what it's supposed to sound like i know what i like when they take liberties live 
if I'm not there, I'm not interested. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah. And most live albums are sped up because they have the adrenaline of being on stage. So, um, no, that's fair. I recognize that not everybody likes live albums. I happen to. And I went, I think I talked about it in in the Krista Berg episode, sort of before your time. But it's basically like, because I didn't have a lot of opportunity to go to shows and I still don't. For me, it's almost like reading a good book. Mm-hmm. Listening to a live album, I can sort of put myself in that world e- more easily than I can on a, a recorded album. I like the bigness of live albums, like a live album that has like good reverb and good audience participation and stuff. There's some pretty bad live albums where it's just like really, really dry right, right out of the mixing board and stuff. Those sound terrible. And there's no energy in them. They sound really flat. But that's why I listen to a lot of bootlegs as well. It's because it's sort of like it captures the energy of the of the moment. But I, I 100% know what you mean, because there's some there's some big moments in songs that quite often maybe get dodged on the stage because yeah. people's voices get tired or, you know, they want to change up the way they play this song because they've been playing it the same way for the last year that they've been on tour. And so they're like screwing with it or they turn it into a medley. Yeah. So yeah, like live stuff can go pretty sideways pretty quickly. I 100% hear you. And I find that there's some bands where I've really only listened to their stuff live and so to go back and then i have the opposite problem that you have where if i go and listen to the studio version that sounds wrong to me right like slipknot is a perfect example i've never listened to a slipknot album but i have listened to several concerts like it's they're pretty easy to find on youtube like fully recorded professionally and it's like that's that's my slipknot stuff i would just never even think of that that wouldn't even cross my mind which is interesting i don't yeah it doesn't cross my mind to go live. Yeah, it's just, it's, I've, I've always veered live. If I could get a live album, it's usually where I went to. Like, the first Metallica album I ever owned was S&M. Mm. Yeah, well, just, it, was it was just my taste. Forever ruined for me for Live in Paris, or whatever it's called. I hear you, because, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I basically have the same, the exact same issue that you have, but it's sort of like if I jump to a studio album. And I really like concerts. And I've been to a lot of concerts and like, I just really feel that if I'm listening to it live, I want to be having my ribs crushed in by Mm -hmm. the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. And that's totally fair. This has flown by. Yeah. I know. I was like, final words. Our time's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. What are your final thoughts on Miss Aretha? I I usually try and go big and really lay it down for final thoughts. I don't really have any. What can you say about Aretha Franklin that hasn't been said already? This was a great listening experience. It touches on a lot of hits, so, and they 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 sort of sprinkle them in with the lesser known stuff. So I think if you're someone that's like me and sort of only knows Aretha through her hits, this is a really great way to expose yourself to her. Because we've talked about it on the podcast before, where it's like these big artists, it's like, where's an entry point? This is a really great entry point, I think. If if you want to hear stuff that you know and and enjoy that and, and have that sort of fuel you through the songs you don't know, this is a really good way of doing it. This is a really good, really, really good Greatest Hits album. It's probably not even a Greatest Hits album. It's just supposed to be like greatest hits and then like lesser known stuff it's just an exposure to her to her recording career in 15 songs and it's about an hour it's and it's 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 fantastic but i don't know what can you say about aretha franklin she's fantastic if you don't know her go listen if you don't know her what happened (laughs) there's probably a lot of songs that you're going to listen to on this album and be like oh yeah i know that okay i know that okay yeah i actually really know aretha franklin quite well (laughs) aretha has just always been I said this earlier, just a, a warm, cozy blanket to me, and I feel like she could sing me the dictionary, and I would be, I'd be there for it. I don't know who to compare to, or I didn't realize, I guess, the extent to that she really was the queen of soul in the world, but the word that always pops into my head when I'm thinking of Aretha is really powerful and super effortless (laughs) the words that pop (laughs) into my head it's just what she's doing is incredible and it's an incredible talent and it just looks effortless and i i adore adore her i know those of you who are listening like podcasting is not a visual medium but Angie and I video chat while we do this, and she hasn't stopped smiling the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> She's just like, I'm in my happy place, smile on her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was great. It was such a good suggestion. 
and it's not something I would have thought to suggest because I'm sort of trying to veer away from like really big artists and stuff, but uh, what a great suggestion. I thought we'd done a few small artists and I wanted just kind of something to be crazy. So yeah, what's going on next week, friend? Next week, as I mentioned, we have a very impassioned su- suggestion. Another black woman artist and her name I've never heard any of her songs that I'm aware of this is going to be a hundred percent first time listen for me and it is the album Master of My Make Believe by Santa Gold oh you know yeah you already know all right yeah it has the most listened to song on Spotify of, of hers is a song called Desperate Youth and that is on this album so obviously I don't know have you heard the whole album all the way through no no but you're familiar with the artist yeah. Okay, sweet. Well, uh, the plan is, I think, for Renee, the, the long name-dropped Renee, <laughs> from a, a large section of my personal life, as well as the Ravage Love podcast, to join us and talk about this, because that was kind of my deal. <laughs> we'll listen to your album, but you got to come talk with us, and be our rent Steven for the week. So she said, okay. So yeah, that's my suggestion. It's going to be, it's 11 songs, 37 minutes, so not a big time commitment. Apparently she's she's more popular and cooler than I am, but I'm glad you at least know who she is. <laughs> I hope this album has the couple songs that I'm super fans of, but if not, great. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Yeah. So that's that's the suggestion for next week. We'll do that. Renee should be here, and if she's not, then Angie and I will just continue to hold down the fort, and we'll talk about it amongst ourselves. Indeed. All right, and uh, I know your brother's not feeling well, so please extend my condolences on his ill health. They're dropping like flies. <laughs> <laughs> We're hanging in there, girl. <laughs> still going strong. Oh, boy. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening if you're still here. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number 2 Labyrinth. <laughs>